Remember us? We're back. <laughs> Nobody quit the show. Nobody's quit the show. We do. We're all still friends. We do have a show. This is the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. I am Mike here with McLean and Jay. And yeah, we had a little, uh, I guess, the Emergency Nine summer break. Last two weeks, no shows. Two weeks ago, we had, uh, you know, Fourth of July long weekend. And then uh, last week, McLean was at sales meetings out of town. Jay was in Costa Rica. And so I, I, for a real brief time, I, I thought about doing a show like solo. That'd be tough. And then I was like, yeah, that's going to be really tough. That's just going to be awful, just awful content. So you got to have all your ducks in a row to, to do a show by yourself. Yeah. I would have been worried about all those, all the, uh, you know, positions you would have tried to push through and try to represent the podcast as without you know, us there to argue about you know this is this is our standpoint and it just and I'm, I'm glad that didn't go down i could have oh man i could have talked rollback could have talked live sucks we could we could talk a lot of things by myself i could have gone for hours i guarantee you could have and it would have been <laughs> by yourself because you lost all the listeners too <laughs> <laughs> but i did have i had a couple listeners you know, so the last episode that we put out, uh, Jay took a little breather there halfway through after the JT discussion. And so I had a couple of listeners actually be like, hey, what, what's going on? We put out a show in two weeks. Like, you guys good? Like, like, yeah, we're good. Don't worry. Jay. <laughs> we're all still friends. We're still going to have a show. Um, the, the two week break had nothing to do with the argument on our last show. So <laughs> uh, that's great. I have had all kinds of comments about Justin Thomas, though, from uh, many people. But uh, that's a yes. that's a whole nother whole nother situation. Yes, it is. It was it was pretty pretty uh, good timing that JT played so poorly right after the yeah, yeah. came out. <laughs> we all know he's a better player than that, but it was fun. Um, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, he's definitely a better player than that. I mean, he's one of the top ten in the book. <laughs> God, we're not doing this right now. We're not doing yeah, this I'm right kidding, now. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, we did have a bunch of golf the last few weeks. Uh, we're not going to talk about Seb Straka. Congratulations on the John Deere in the near. He was on like 57 watch at one time and then just shooting 62. But congrats there. Uh, we're not talking about Vincent Norman winning the Barbasol. Um, but I think there's two men we got to talk about that, that have won recently. We'll start with the, the most recent. Rory, our favorite. Rory wins, gets it done at the Scottish. I thoroughly enjoyed this tournament. I mean, again, I've I've talked about on this show. I just love coffee golf. Primetime guy and, and coffee golf are just uh, but coffee golf, I think to me is the best. It's good to be over there. Links season, couple couple weeks in a row here of of Links golf. And yeah, I mean, Rory is hitting it really, really well. Shoots, you know, I I flipped it on because they had, uh, you know, they moved all the tee times up both Saturday and Sunday because of storms. And don't get me started on the fucking telecast and how they had to stream it. You couldn't watch it live. Like the golf channel. I'm okay. I'm going to rant on it real fast. The golf channel is showing the replay from the champions tour the day before. They go off the air at 630 in the morning live to put the champions tour replay on and the last nine holes gets put on streaming on the cbs app i'm like are you really fucking kidding me like 
I don't know. I guess it's I guess it's the TV contracts. The TV executives are to blame for this, but like, and I know Golf Channel is an NBC product, not a CBS product. So I know there's some sort of, but it was on Golf Channel earlier. So why not just extend it? Like I don't get it. It's awful. Like nobody wants to watch it tape delayed because you're gonna find out if you if you're if you want to watch the Scottish Open if you're a fan enough to watch the Scottish Open. You're gonna know the result before it comes on air. Like, yeah. So, sounds like very CW. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, just an utter joke. Uh, what happens to some of these tournaments? Just because they the schedule gets changed from what it's supposed to be, they move it because of storms, and now you have to. The only way to watch it live is on an app, which we all know that's annoying. It's frustrating and annoying. <laughs> I bet Greg Norman loved it though. <laughs> probably not because rory won yeah fair. that's true so by the time i'm tuning in and paying attention rory had just bogeyed eight and nine and i'm like oh here we go not gonna happen not gonna happen again not gonna win he's hitting it well he's just not gonna win he's just not gonna play that great good enough sunday round to to get it done and then goes out and shoots four under on the back with Amazing birdies on 17 and 18 to win. Um, I'll be the first to say I did not think that he's going to birdie the, those last two holes. I think you did after, say it. I think I saw a text from you that's saying he's not going to birdie the last two holes. <laughs> did not think. I was like, this is like the perfect opportune time for Rory to do Rory things and not be clutch. The two iron he, shots he hit were incredible. They were incredible. He, he definitely proved me wrong. I was kind of, it was it was one of those, uh, uh, what do they call it? Um when you, you you want something to happen, so you you say the opposite. Re- reverse psychology. Thinking, reverse psychology. Yeah, I was like, okay, if I just put this into the atmosphere, into the existence right now, maybe it'll <laughs> it'll just switch around. Um, so when you was, you're just trying to be wrong. You want to be yeah. wrong. I was pulling for him. I want him to birdie it. But well, especially actually, he missed the the par five there, sixteen, which was a great pitch shot. I mean, out of the out of the heather. Yeah, great. I mean, it hits it to six, seven feet, whatever it was. And you're like, okay, here we go. You know, Bobby McIntyre, the darling there, the Scottish darling is in the house. And you're like, okay, well, it's time to make a move here, Rory. By the way, we'll get to McIntyre in a second because he hit some unbelievable shots too. But yes, he did. Um, you're like, God damn it. Here we go. Rory can't make a putt on a Sunday when it matters. Whether it's a Scottish <laughs> Open, US Open, the Open, any kind of Open, you can't make a putt on a, on a Sunday. And... <laughs> Then, yeah, he just flushed some iron shots uh, on 17 and 18 and goes birdie, birdie, and kind of, I don't know, they all seem to be rooting for, like, Rory early in the round and then, you know, rooting for their countrymen coming down the stretch there. But it was, yeah, it was impressive. You know, he obviously looked like he... I, I never saw a quote. I meant to look up some of his press conference. Did he think he pushed that putt on 18 or pulled that putt? Because he did not look, react like he was going to make that thing. I, I didn't see either, but it did look weird. It was like he stood up out of the putt immediately. I was like, that looks that doesn't look very good. It doesn't look very confident. And he goes in, he starts laughing. I'm I'm sure uh McIntyre didn't like that either. It's like, geez, are you kidding me? This guy, you know, doesn't even watch the putt, you know, go in, doesn't even follow through. Yeah, the wind the wind blows it in the hole or something like that. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, the telecast gave us a fucking awful angle of that putt. Like 
what are we doing from Rory's backside, like 50 yards away? Like, can we not get a down the line view of this putt? Like, what the fuck are we doing? Oh, that was annoying. That's different, uh, different production team for the app and then as opposed to the regular. Uh, yeah, well, I guess I did read that like CBS had like a skeleton crew over there because CBS normally doesn't do like they don't they've never done the 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 British Open, so they've never gone overseas. Yeah, so yes. they did have a, a little bit of a skeleton crew over there, I guess, with less cameras and less people. But come on, I don't even who who is it, it's it's always been ABC ESPN uh, in the past, and that changed recently. I don't that even know changed. Who, so now NBC is not. NBC has the the British this week. NBC, yeah. they probably had that for like four or five years, and I just had. Uh, it's it's been a few. It was ESPN ABC for a long time. Yeah, uh, ESPN might even still have the early round coverage. I, I should probably yeah. know that. But they've been doing early round coverage for a few of these things. Remember back before? Yeah, you know, we had kids and real jobs, and you could like get up at three o'clock and watch it. With no oh yeah, it was awesome. It was the best. Um, yeah, we'll we'll get to that in a second. But all right, so what do you guys what do you guys make of Rory? Um, I think it's good for him to get a win. He's obviously flushing it right now. His ball striking numbers are are off the charts, not quite Scotty Scheffler off the charts. But you know, he he putted well, right? So he I look at the stats here. He was third stroke gain putting in round four. Yeah, I'm, the Scottish I'm, Open. Look. So Rory, for a long time, like I said, all you got to do is tune in. His swing is unreal. Um, he's an incredible ball striker. He may not have the stats that Scotty Scheffler has had recently, but it's also shocking when he doesn't because watching him is just something that, as Tiger said to Charlie, follow this guy's swing. You know, it's almost surprising that he doesn't win as often as he does. Uh, when he gets it done and he makes a couple of those putts like he did on 17 and 18, you know, it, he did hit some incredible iron shots in there, but they weren't gimmies either. You know, he he still had to sit up there and um, convert, and he did both times in the thick of things, which is what we look for from the best players in the world, and he's certainly one of them. Um, you know, one of the things I saw, you know, he shot two over on the front, made a great par putt on six. That was a, a big-time savior. Did bird did bogey, what was it, seven and eight or eight and nine? Eight and uh, nine, yeah. Eight nine shot two over on the front, but he stuck in there. He made a great comeback, hit some incredible shots at the end, and unfortunately, you know, barely squeaked out Bob McIntyre. Which, you know, as much as I'm a Rory fan and I pull for what he's doing and who he represents, it was tough not to get kind of on Bob McIntyre's back there a little bit. You know, being the underdog, um, having the entire crowd behind him, and you know, one of the best things that I've ever been a part of is golf over on that side. The crowd was incredible. And if you noticed, they all had on, you know, beanies, toboggans, whatever you call them, and you're a part of the country. Um, they had rain gear on. They had layers on. And they were packed in there just wall to wall. And they were such a part of the event. They're such a great – it's such a great place to play golf when you have that crowd atmosphere there. You know, they really do a great job of supporting the game. Um, so it was really cool to see Rory get it done. You know, like I said, I think he's got – um, a lot to build on. It's nice to see him make a little bit of a comeback. And, and a lot of people would look at that and say, what do you mean a comeback? Well, last year, the guy was on fire. He was playing with the anti-live monkey on his back and just absolutely getting getting it done because at the end of the day, it was one of those things where he had a, a massive vested interest. And you know, he, he had something that was really fueling his fire. 
this year that seemed to kind of subside a little bit in the first half of the season. So to see him get this done and ultimately roll into the British Open, having just hoisted a trophy, I think it's going to be a very interesting, uh, very interesting tournament. Um, I think he's got a, a lot to build on for the remainder of the year. Um, rolling into the FedEx Cups, he's going to be one of the top players out there. I mean, I'm sure he's already cemented his place in the Tour Championship at this point. Um, so, like I said, it'll be very interesting to see how he how he uh, how he does the remainder of the year if he can put another uh, couple of trophies up on the mantle and uh, keep it rolling. His confidence seems to be a little bit different than it has been in the past, I feel like. And maybe that has to do with, I don't know, maybe he's, you know, he's softened all the live, you know, PGA Tour talk, even though that's still very ongoing with this whole new agreement or whatever. But he's kind of seen the talk. It's almost like he's pushed it to the side and been like, all right, it's time for me to focus on me and golf. And, you know, these executives are going to do what they want and whatever. And I'm just going to go play damn good golf and try to win. Well, that's what they should do. You know, it is an individual sport. And there are certain times where you have to understand that there are things beyond your control. And something that I've always preached uh, in my professional career is control the controllables. You know, there's certain things that you can't influence. You can do your best. You can have a, a small impact. But at the end of the day, there's things that are just beyond you. The one thing he can control is preparation he can control practice he can go out there and play his game and when he does that and he does it effectively he's he's one to to rack up some dollars and you know certainly put a couple of trophies on the wall yeah no i I agree with everything you guys have said i think um i think him winning actually kind of to the reverse psychology bit that we said earlier for him i think it almost it takes the monkey off of his back winning this tournament leading up to the British Open. I think most people are going to say, oh, he just won last week. He's not going to win back to back. And that's a way for, I think, him to be like, hey, I just won. No one's expecting to win back to back because I normally don't and I haven't in a while. Um, so, you know, here I'm just going to go play free and see what happens. I know you can spin it however you want, but, mm-hmm. you know, I think I think part of him is like thinking you know, hey, okay, I just won because I haven't won in a while. I was like, when are you going to win? When are you going to win? You keep you keep losing. You know, you keep losing down the stretch. You're not hitting the big shots. He just hit two huge, uh, or uh, multiple shots at the end of the at the, at the end of uh, the tournament to come back and win outright. Uh, I'm sorry, not yeah, outright. So why he's? I think for him, it's like, hey, the the monkey's off my back. I, I did everything that people thought I couldn't do, and now here they're going to tell me that I'm not going to win. Uh, you know, back to back weeks. And that's, that's when he plays his best. I feel like, I think when the expectation uh, gets too high, that's when I feel like he, he just, he, you know, bears that weight on his shoulders too much and he lets it affect him. And I think when he can, uh, like you said, you mentioned earlier, Mikey, when he plays for himself and he puts all that stuff aside, then he shows how good he can be. Um, And uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me, honestly, if he did, if he did win this week. Well, you know, that's something that Mike and I talked about pre-show. Does this give him a better chance to win this week or does it hurt him? I mean, I think if you look back at the statistics, we would say that it there's an argument to say that it hurts him. But at the same time, golf being the sport that it is, is this something that allows him to build that confidence, go in there and potentially replicate what he just pulled off? Yeah, I think it takes a little, like, I think what Jay was saying is I agree. It takes a little bit of that pressure off, you know, because we talked about, I guess it was after the U.S. Open, you know, he doesn't get it done on that Sunday. 
the drought's nine years old now. And I, I actually, you know, I the have the major at this golf course at this golf course. I got a little photo of him and an autograph flag from this behind my no. left shoulder here on the wall. And, you know, again, it's, it's a long wait to Augusta. And it's a long time before that next chance at next major. And so there was a load of pressure going in. And I think this takes a little bit off. I think you're right. Yeah. It's like, oh man, he can't win. Nobody ever wins. Like, I don't know what the stats are. I know they're out there, but. Yeah, it doesn't happen. I mean, especially the week before. I know there's stats, you know, the event before, but the week before the guy never goes on and wins a, a major. And so, but, it, you know, inside he's like, damn, I'm hitting it well. And if I can make some of those clutch putts like I did coming down the stretch, you know, he made a long putt on, I think it was, was it 12 maybe on, on Sunday at the Scottish? I can't remember. It was like, but uh, 11, maybe. Anyways. Um, he definitely plays his best when, when no one thinks he can win. The pressure's off a little bit. But, yeah. How many times have we seen, seen him come from behind on Sunday to shoot 65 and, either win or finish second these you know these backdoor events where no one's no one was expecting him to do anything and the 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 pressure was off and i think early in his career the pressure was off because i think in his mind he was so young and i think that's that's kind of how it works for a lot of players but you you, you think i've got a i've got an entire career to win a major and then he gets one so early in his career and then he's like wow I've already got one major. Who cares? I'm going to just let this roll. And then after he wins four, he hit a little bit of a, a dry spell for a couple of years. Wasn't playing well. Um, had some, you know, relationship issues with, you know, was, was it Wojnowski, the tennis player? That was all. And he came yeah. in, he was in the news and it was always, it was in People Magazine. And it's like, it, then it started to become a thing. And then it just builds and builds and builds and builds. And you're like, man, can I even, can I do this? You know, can I win again? Can I win another major? So, and obviously it's yet to be seen, but I think this certainly, in my opinion, from his, we all know he's swinging well and he's talented talented enough to do it, but it all matters what's going on in his brain and how he can allow himself to free himself up and to play his best golf. Well, one of the toughest parts is the modern media that's out there. You know, it's going to be talked about. He's going to get that question. Um, you know, it's not like the olden days where you know guys got some questions. They had to do some media events, but it wasn't near to the level that it is now. And people are going to absolutely bring that up. Is he able to put that in the back of his mind and go out there and get it done? You know, that's that's going to be one of the biggest questions um, if he's going to be successful. So we know he can do it. He's probably one of the few guys that you could say he's had so much success that this doesn't influence him the way it would be, you know, for example, Bob McIntyre, you know, not, nothing negative uh, towards him or against him, but for him, had he have won this week, they would have probably discounted him for next week or last week, this week, whatever you want to say. Um, so there's an advantage to the fact of being able to go against that statistic because it is Rory versus someone like a Bob McIntyre or someone that hasn't had near the career success um, that Rory's been able to experience thus far. Someone like McIntyre, you say, oh, okay, this guy, he's playing well, didn't get it done last week. He's not satisfied. He's still hungry. But had he gotten that win, yeah, they would say, oh, he's, he's, it's, it, it's human nature that when you reach that, that pinnacle, you're like, and then you just, 
take a step back for most people. Not everybody's like that. Not your, not your elite, but for, for a McIntyre. Sure. If he wins the Scottish open, he goes into the British open. He's like, huh. Uh, especially like, man, the, the magnitude for that yeah. that win for him is you know winning your your country's open and it's yeah. almost like he won a major if he would have won that thing like it sure. was you know it's not like you're winning the john deere and then exactly but now you know you look at it and, and the guy obviously is playing well and he says you know what hey I'm, I'm playing good golf let me just keep this rolling i'm still hungry let's let's ride it into the next week i'm i don't i'm not projecting him to win but it wouldn't surprise me if he played well and had a top, you know, 15, top 20 finish. Yeah. Well, a, is this, know, basically an unknown player. Is this or was this bigger for Bob McIntyre headed into this week? You know, does this actually give him better odds? I, I certainly feel like it does. I, I agree with you, Jay. He's still hungry. He's he's still yeah. going out there and trying to get it done. So this is one of those opportunities for him where it gives him, I think, kind of that propulsion to – get it done um well yeah yeah he's obviously hitting it so well in a really strong field right yeah he's like i beat everyone and it took a rory comeback essentially in brutal weather to beat me like i'm i'm playing pretty fucking well i can beat scotty sheffield i can beat victor hovland i can beat all these guys that played last week justin thomas hat and justin thomas tommy fleetwood you know (laughs) all these great players (laughs) i think we listed all the top 10 right there for sure yeah (laughs) No, I, but I, I'm I'm dead set on that. I, I think this could be one of the things that Bob McIntyre looks like. Let, let's say he goes out and gets this done. I think he looks back at this tournament and it was like, that helped me achieve the larger goal. Because you got to imagine, I mean, the Scottish Open has to be probably number two on his list, only behind the Open. Yeah. And that's this week. So for him, this is literally the pinnacle of events for him that he wants to win and put into you know, put into his uh, arsenal to say, hey, I've done this. Um, if he goes out and gets it done, I think ultimately he's going to look back on the Scottish Open and say that propelled me to being able to get it done. He hit some big time shots. Are I mean, he's, me? he stuffed it on 14, the par three to like 10 feet, which was like an ungettable hole location. Then he almost knocks it in the hole on 15. It was, I don't know, a foot. Maybe. I don't think it was that far. And then on 18, he hit, what was it, a hybrid of fairway wood? Looked like a fairway wood. No. You know, blocked it way right off the tee, or way left off the tee. He blocked it, but it was way left. He's a lefty. And hits a fairway wood out of the shit to four feet, you know? And I was like, God damn, this guy is falling up. Like, yeah. holy shit. Made that butt. It was incredibly impressive what he did. And Exactly. You you bring up a great point there, Jay. He made that putt. You know, people look back at that shot. Had he not have made that putt, the shot would have gone not necessarily unremembered, but it would not have been, it would not have carried the significance that it does because he was able to convert. Sure. Yeah. And then CBS fucked up the moment because the audio went out and you couldn't hear the roar of the crowd. And <laughs> Allegedly, he was like in tears walking off the back of the 18th green, but they cut the commercial and you didn't get to see any of it. So, good job. So, apparently, we've we've become an anti-CBS podcast. Well, it was pretty... Not picking up our rights anytime soon. A pretty pathetic showing from them last weekend. How how about the clip of uh, Wendy going to see his daughter and his wife? (laughs) The little girl 
just turned her back on him and got on the ground and wanted nothing to do with him. Uh, And and you show the same picture of McIntyre and she's, you know, they come running up to him, giving him, giving him hugs. I mean, obviously probably she's a little girl and anything could have been bugging her, but it was just funny. It's like, oh man, you've been playing too much golf, I guess. They need some, they need some, need some training from the Phil Mickelson uh, team there. He was, he was great at getting those kids trained up at running them on the green. You got to fake it. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, they probably had some sort of child uh, uh, acting teacher there working yeah. with them. <laughs> that would not surprise me in the slightest if Phil Mickelson did that. Uh, for the listeners, I have no idea. That's just that's just me being a, a dick, and I hate Phil Mickelson. But uh, it's an odd place for you to sit. <laughs> um, let's let's talk about somebody else who won a golf tournament recently. Ricky Fowler finally. Got it done. I know it's been a couple of weeks now, but we got to give Ricky his props. I mean, he's been playing awesome. We've someone has picked him pretty much every week this season uh, in our DraftKings picks. And again, I, I felt like that one was. Oh, is it gonna? Is it gonna happen? Is it just gonna be another close call for Ricky? And he nutted up, stuffs it on eighteen. If you can remember back at the Rocket Mortgage in, in Detroit. Hits it tight, gets it to the playoff, and and then holds it. Gets a great look. Uh, I forget who's in the playoff. I can't remember. It was Morikawa and. Oh goodness! Hold on, I know this. This is bad. <laughs> I know this. Maybe Members of the media. Members of the Adam media. Hadwin. There it is. Right. So Hadwin sucks his ball back in the playoff. Right behind Ricky, he gets a great read, and he drains it. And and it was kind of a cool reaction. Like it wasn't like the big old fist pump, big celebration. It was just like a Relent. massive sigh of relief. Like, yeah. oh, I'm back. Like, monkey off my shoulder. I've been right here on the cusp for a while. I feel like I I should have been here already, and I'm finally back. The best reaction was from his caddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, caddy was nuts. Caddy was ready to go. I mean, it was such a, <laughs> such a cool look. It, it was great for Ricky, but it was also great for golf. As I've said many times on this podcast, Ricky is such a great ambassador for our game. He's one of the most universally liked players in our game. And he's someone that, again, I've said this before, I have two young sons. If they came up to me and they were like, hey, I'm a Ricky Fowler fan, I'd be like, you bet your ass you are. (laughs) I'd tell them more about why he should should back that play, you know? Um, Ricky's awesome, um, plays a great golf ball, and he's just one of those guys that – you know, we're we're excited when he's able to win. He's good for American sports. He's good for American golf. And, uh, you know, I look forward to seeing him in the Ryder Cup this fall. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, officially on the team now. Yep. Might have knocked JT off, but he's officially on the team. JT, JT will bring it back. JT's coming back. <laughs> he'll be back into the top. 25 at some point because that's that's how we're ranking these guys now in the top 25 history and then they're they're top Jay said he Jay yeah. said he was on his team so I would put him on the team just because he's a buster and he's tough as nails but yeah I would I would put him on the team I mean typically I would put him on the team this year he's obviously playing really poorly but most of the time I put him on the team because he's he's tough and that's who you want I mean, he's like a Jim Furyk you know Yep, no weakness in his game, just gets it done. Yeah, I mean, he's really showing all those strength right now. Not going, not 
what are we what are we doing guys what are we doing well you can he's not playing well um he's not, so, playing, he's not playing well you're absolutely correct he's not playing well at all i think he's a much obviously much better player than that which i think i'm sure he's gonna he's gonna figure it out a little bit at some point um but yeah but Ricky, Ricky's the man. That's all I want to say. And congrats. Dude, to Ricky him. is the man. Um, the guy's doing some cool stuff right now. And it's it's just a very easy cause to get behind. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you guys, did you guys watch any of the, the women's open at Pebble? A I, saw the last polls. I, I saw, um, uh, I don't, I don't know how to say this girl's last name. One. Allison Corpus. Corpus, yeah. She was her first, this right. her first win? Was first this her win. first win? She came close at the last major and then either like made a bogey or missed a birdie pun on the last or something close yeah, to that. She's in right? the final group at the uh, KPMG women's at, <laughs> at Baltusrol. Uh and came close. And she, she's a you know, a stud, you know, junior growing up. Went to the same high school as Michelle Wee. Um so yeah, I, I actually watched a ton of it because it was opposite the John Deere. So I was not going to really too much into the John Deere. Plus, it was at night and it's Pebble, right? I uh, just real fast, I enjoyed it. I thought it was cool to see them one play a event that we've seen the men play and just how different it plays with the women's right. game versus the men's game and how you can just tell that they just don't have the trajectory or the spin coming into the greens. And balls were were bouncing. It was it was bouncy, you know. And obviously, it's a different time of year too. So, we typically see the Pebble Beach in, in February for the AT and T. And so, these guys are just throwing it right at the flag and and spinning it. And yeah. Um, but I thought it showed great. It was you know some pretty tough weather. It wasn't the greatest leaderboard in the world. That's what really hurt them. There wasn't any of the stars, stars up there. Uh, unfortunately, no big Americans and um. But yeah, it was entertaining. It was good. I, I wish it's sounding like more and more of these majors are going to big events for the women or big venues, excuse me. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. Yeah, there's no reason why they shouldn't be playing the top, top yeah, clubs and it in gives, the country. It gives the audience more of a reason to watch, you know, like you said, hey, I wanted to watch Pebble. You know, yeah. I, I, if it's a NCAA tournament, uh, women's U.S. Open, uh, U.S. Mid-Am, whatever it is, like you, you, you kind of want to see these golf courses that you know so well, just to see, you know, how their games, you know, stand up to the yeah, the, a little more context. Yeah. So it was, um, yeah, it was entertaining. I, I, I enjoyed it. Congrats to her. And um, I think, I think it just proved to me that there needs to be a rollback. But you know, we won't set that argument either. But. <laughs> We don't have time for that. I'm telling you, you've missed the boat entirely. How far are the women yeah. get it? We are digging right uh, now is, for, is, some, is, for some, does the some rollback, action. Does the rollback make the women's game more? No, no, it has nothing to do with the women's game because the rollback, the, the, the women don't affected. need a, the women don't affected, need a rollback, but they would be affected potentially. No, it's it's all professional golf, so they would be 100. They would be a part of it. And is that going to make that game more entertaining? Are we going to help draw more people to that? Yeah, that's fine. That side move, of the move sport. the tee box up. That that's the answer. 
that's a possibility. Yeah, just move the T box up. It's fine. I just think it would seeing where they were hitting it and the clubs they were hitting in, if the pros, the men, excuse me, were hitting it, it would be just a little bit more interesting than just hitting wedges and just hitting it right to flag and spinning it. Well, then the girls wouldn't be able to play some of the top courses out there because they, no, they be, could, they could just move them up. You, you think that that's, that solves everything. Move them up. <laughs> I'm not saying it solves everything, but Be-a-port. you guys just said, just move them back. <laughs> Unbelievable. Now we're really enhancing the game. We're making it more inclusive. I love it. This is great. There's nothing's been, been less inclusive about that. That's great. That's just a great <laughs> the length of, of, Royal Liverpool. What's the length of it? It's like 7,300. Yeah. 7,300. But typically plays super firm and fast. And when was the last time? What, so Rory won it, and who won it before that? Tiger. Tiger. Was that the year that he didn't hit a driver? Yes. The whole tournament? Yeah, he hit so, one driver. He hit one driver. So, I mean, and that still was a great tournament. Um, so, I, again, I'm, I don't think, you know, I don't think the rowing, I think there's different ways to challenge the golf course. There's tons of bunkers out there. That's another yeah. uh, you know, a penalty area in the middle of the fairway, another obstacle that you need to find a way around to be able to score and be able to more control your ball. So there's, there's plenty of options um, where we don't need to go backwards. I think going backwards is just, I mean, just the idea of it is just doesn't make any sense. All the uh, all the progression that we've made in the game, and all the things that we've done—not just in this game, but all these every other sport—and how popular a sport is, and and not even just in the U.S. but in the world, I, just going backwards just sounds like a terrible, terrible idea, and it just it's just leaves a bitter taste in in my mouth personally. But I was as a fan, it's like, okay, do we, is that the only option? Is just to you know take the, take equipment away from from the players? I mean, I'm okay with freezing it saying hey we got we got to stop this they've done that with plenty of other equipment with drivers you know we've already gone through this but i i think it's definitely fair to say hey, we've got to find ways to limit the ball um but to go backwards just that's just sounds it just sounds dumb well let's let's get into this next month when the usga officially makes their decision it's they're supposed to announce it in august it was just a thought that crossed my mind when i was watching it um, we can have this whole debate and argument again, and we can yell at each other and, and get drunk and cuss, and uh, the viewers will love it. Let's do that in August when they announce um, their formal yeah, rule, rule change. Uh, again, it won't take place till 2026, but um, let's... Oh, real fast, before we get back into the, the open more, a little bit of a preview here. Did you guys catch any of the um, PJ Tour execs at, in, on Congress? When they were there in July 11, I know you were out of the country, Jay, in Costa Rica. So, just that you didn't fucking miss much. Um, this might not be a take on golf at all. Hey, senators, congressmen, you guys are fucking awful. Like, all of you are fucking stupid. Like, the a lot of dumb questions being asked. Like, oh my lord, like it was unbelievable how dumb these people are like we you wasted everyone's time for this we basically learned almost nothing you made it harder for the pga tour to now negotiate because you're basically having them negotiate with senators and they're trying to negotiate now with the saudis like again i'm not in favor of this deal i think it has to go through in order for the pga tour to 
still be the PGA Tour? Because if this deal does not go through, everyone's going to live. The PGA Tour is done. So congratulations, Senators. Just make it harder for the PGA Tour, your American institution that you're trying to protect, to negotiate with these idiots over in Saudi Arabia. And you're all dumb. You all have your own little thing you want to get through. You're all you do is grandstanding. You ask dumb questions. You're telling golf stories out there. Josh Hawley is going on and on and on about China and showing these quotes. He had no idea the PGA Tour had stopped dealing in China in 2019. He was flabbergasted, and he went back to it. They went back to him. He puts the damn flashcards behind him with these quotes, and he's like, "You're telling me you're not going to do business with with China?" The guy's like. I don't know what to tell you. I've told you this before. We, we we stopped in 2019 dealing with China. like, And then one guy's wishing goodwill to Gary Woodland. It's like, what the fuck are we doing, people? Like, this is what our, our senators are doing? Like, yeah. It reminds me of a board of directors meeting at a country club. You know, a bunch of guys say, look, this is what we did at Pfizer. Well, this it, isn't Pfizer. That's not yeah. how this works. But I have something I really want to push through. Well, that doesn't necessarily help the club. That's not how this works. Yeah. Rand, Rand Paul goes off on this tirade about the NIL and college athletics and college athletes driving around in nice cars. I'm like, what? What does that have to do with? What are we What are we doing here, people? It's like they just like, oh, there's a camera and a microphone. So I'm just going to talk about whatever the hell I want to talk about and speak to the six people that I that care about. Like. Man, like I, I have tuned out on politics over the years. I'm so glad that I have. It's made my life better. I don't really watch the news anymore. I care about golf and sports and my family. And that's about it because the rest of it is just fucking bullshit. And nobody knows what the hell they're doing. And they're all assholes. So like it is. Oh, it was like just uh, I'm going back and watch it now. Just to it was like that it was gonna be a question. So bad. Like. Ron no, Johnson, I, I think Ron Johnson was trying to get on the PGA Tour policy board. He was a big fan of them. You know, Blumenthal, I, I don't know. He's like the only one that like wanted to like ask hardcore questions. But then again, some of them were like too hardcore. Like, dude, chill out. Like, I, I don't know. Don't you have better things to be doing in all honesty? Like, I care about this whole deal. Like, I don't think you should, though. Like, <laughs> There's more important things for you to be doing. And then, like, these guys are, like, in the middle of a vote, and they're all getting up and leaving. It was just uh, – I was just – I'm telling you, it's like it's like a board of directors meeting at a private club. Well, look, this is what we did at the bank. This is what we need to do here. Well, this isn't a fucking bank. We lose money. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what, what are we talking about here? It was <laughs> so bad. And I don't think I really learned anything more from what we've already known. Like, there's still – a shit ton of questions, not enough answers on this whole thing. And like Jimmy Dunn kept saying, it's it's basically an agreement to make an agreement. Like there's been so little agreed upon yet. They have to the end of the year to figure this all out. You know, there was all these documents that they released. That was probably more interesting than the actual hearing. You know, so like the, the Saudis, and their dealings and, and what they wanted to make a deal. For. They wanted all the guys to get their OWGR points back and retroactive. Like the PJ tour has direct, you know, um, decision-making on that. They wanted Rory and Tiger to own a team and play in 10 events. Hey, do you guys know that Tiger has one leg? Like, and he's going to play like three events a year, maybe two events a year, maybe. Lucky. Um, 
And then he wanted a, a you see her, membership, uh, to Augusta. membership to Augusta in the RNA. Like the PJ Tour has control over that. Pal? Well, I, I don't think so. On, on the back side of that, it was like, all right, okay, well, this has a chance. Uh, okay, it has a chance. Membership to Augusta, they've lost their fucking mind. Well, again, this is the same guy that thought he could rent out Augusta to host a recruiting party for Liv last year. So, like, but it's baffling how there's not other guys around him and be like, well, we got to back off of that. That's, yeah. That's that's never going to happen. So, yeah, I mean, the, the Saudis come out with this best of worlds document that's just really just is everything that favors, you know, them, not the PGA Tour. But, you know, then there's, there's communications and all this kind of shit from the PGA Tour. You know, they want Norman out. And again, nothing... Nothing's been agreed upon. It's they have a long ways to go in five months to get this thing done. And I I don't know. I mean, it's it's really just more of a wait and see now at this point, unless you know, shit gets leaked to the press and we find out more and more details, which we, we easily could now that it's kind of out in the ether there. But until there's a formal agreement and here's what the rules are. Here's what the schedule looks like. Here's the purses. Here's how the live guys come back on the PJ tour. Here's how the guys on the PJ tour get money um, for their loyalty. Then it's it to me. There's not a ton to talk about. It was just a, a stupid spectacle on it Congress. Was like, it was like they got drunk and they was like, "Here's what we want." Let's make yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, there was nothing that actually outlined any sort of exactly what you said. Reciprocal program for the pros that stayed. Um, the fact that they threw in the, and it's, it's one of those things where as you read the article and as you read what they were asking for, you're like, okay, all right, I could see that a little bit. All right. You want to get Tiger and Rory involved? Uh, that obviously makes sense. I mean, the guys move the needle more than any other two golfers. And then you're like membership to Augusta. Like they, what were they drinking when they drafted this? <laughs> I just think that's a little bit how clueless he's. That you know, Yasir is, and one, it just it, he's a guy that gets gets told yes all day, every day. Oh, he gets whatever the hell he wants in Saudi Arabia, and so and his, typically his money can buy anything. So he thought his money could buy an Augusta membership. He just doesn't completely grasp the, you know, he wants to wear a green jacket and hang under the oak tree at at Augusta National during the Masters. With no chance. No, no okay. chance, and there's less of a chance now. I mean, yeah, there's not one person that read that and was like, oh, yeah, that seems plausible. Monahan's like, oh, yeah, we could definitely make that happen. That's not a problem at all. Let me call my buddy Fred right now. Don't you wish you could be in that back room where they're sitting there holding the paper and then all of a sudden they get to that point and they just toss the paper behind him like, is this guy serious? (laughs) (laughs) This is who we have to negotiate with. Unbelievable. Um, it, it It did think it did show basically, you know, how bad of a position financially the PJ tour, it seemed like is right. And they're even entertaining this, that they just cannot deal with these legal battles for years and years. And they just felt like the Saudis were just going to take this as far as they could and appeal and appeal and appeal. Even though there was a, a line in one of these documents that said, your seer told his staff, that they're going to in the live team, but they're going to drop all litigation. So maybe this was a misstep by the PJ tour. If they were going to drop the litigation, 
And that was what's going to eat up a lot of what the, the, the PGA Tours funds were going to. Now, granted, they also can't sustain this designated event model in these $20 million purses because, again, obviously the the sponsors are saying, hey, we're, we're not ponying up $10 million more for the essentially the same product. Yeah, we get a few more of the top guys, but, you know, I, I, I don't know. So it, I, I'm torn on whether this was absolutely had to be done. Whether they could have found other funding elsewhere, that was brought up, I guess, in the in the the hearing. You know, did you guys try to look for private equity money elsewhere? I heard someone on the Golf Channel say there's some private equity guy was going around telling PJ Tour members, "Oh, I can get you five billion tomorrow," hmm. which that seems a little overstated. I'm not sure because you know you had that the whole PGL and Andy Gardner and those guys out there that have been very very quiet over the last handful of months dealing with all this stuff, you know, they haven't said a word. They allegedly have a ton of funding. So is it coming? Did you go ask them, you know, like, Hey, maybe we do want to be involved with you now because we got to beat the Saudis. I don't know. I, I, I well, think PGL we'll, needs to get involved or take a back seat or, and just close up shop because if they don't get involved at this point, if these two conglomerates end up, um, merging the way it looks like they're going to pgl has, is is over oh it, yeah no chance. absolutely done they've got no shot no shot um and one point i did want to make is that yasir yasser whatever it is he had a better chance of getting an annual pass at orange county national than he does at getting a membership <laughs> to augusta national Free range balls for life at the 360 degree driving range. That, I'm, just, I'm just saying that, and that's no shade towards OCN, but it, it's, oh. it's, it, I'm sorry. That kind of request brings that kind of ridicule. I, that's, that's just <laughs> what it is. It's just what it is. Yeah. So the whole, the whole thing was just like a stupid spectacle for TV that accomplished nothing and just might've put the PGA tour in a worse negotiating position in all honesty. Yeah, we we got no answers. It was stupid. Politicians fucking blow, and it just reminded me why I don't watch the news and politics anymore. Because there's no point, no fucking point. So let's let's get back into the open. I know we've we've discussed it a little bit, you know, discussing Rory and that kind of thing. But this is the last major of the year. It's I think it's my favorite major. Like. I don't know. I think it's. I think it's my favorite major. I do like that it's the last one. Yeah, I think it's. Again, it's the oldest major. Uh, There's there's so many things that are unique about it. Again, it's been the longest running. This is the 151st, you know, Open Championship. Now that they've changed the name. Uh, Speaking of, uh, what what do you do? You like Open Championship or do you like the British Open? I feel like out of respect for them, it's got to be the Open Championship, right? But what do you? I know that's what they want, but. What I probably you, I probably use it 50-50. I still call it the British Open. I sometimes say yeah. British Open, sometimes say Open Championship. But and mainly because I feel like it gets confusing. Because if if you say we won the Open, like well, US Open or the Open Championship, which yeah. one? So it's like <laughs> it's you got to say it. Is it? It's yeah, the British so Open. I mean, I'm used to saying British Open mainly because it's not that I'm trying to be disrespectful. It's just like I just want people to know what I'm talking about. Like yeah. he won the British Open, or it's like you have to go through the whole thing. He won the Open Championship. You know, I yeah, I think know. you have to add open championship. You have to say championship and people yeah. get it. If you don't, then it's just like, well, what open it's are you like, talking about? Which which open are you talking about? 
Well, that's um, not right. Know. I think that's because of that's how we grew up. You know, our kids will probably call it the U.S. Open and the Open Championship, whereas with us, we call the Open the U.S. Open. Yeah, the British is the Britain. That's just that's what we grew up with for thirty years, and that's how it's going to be. Uh, that's what resonates in our mind. Yeah. I, and I've, I've, you know, like I said, I've, I've tried to do both, but I just thought that was kind of funny to see how, what your take on, on it was. I mean, you know, you, you obviously want to respect how they have recoined the, the tournament, but, um, but to your point, Mike, I, there's so many things that set this tournament apart, the oldest running major, uh, you know, the, the coffee golf where you can sit around, get up early, you know, um, yeah, that's pretty that's pretty neat it's pretty unique the only the only down downfall to it is if you have to get up and do anything in the middle of the day then you're you're kind of you miss it or yeah. they do the, sometimes they'll do the late uh i'm sorry the replay which i hate i hate that like yeah. when they it, with today's day and age with like with the internet and i mean i already know what i know what's going on like you don't need to do the replay like i've already seen it yeah um which i think they're they, i don't even know if they they, they do that anymore i think do they basically get rid of that or are they still airing it later in the day i should probably know this and i should probably i can probably I think, look up they had the i know they did at least two years ago they were doing that i don't know if they did that last year or not but yeah so uh, yeah i just love it i mean the, the courses obviously are way different the architecture is way different the agronomy is way different this just i love it i this is what i love this kind of golf is my favorite like that's part of the reason why I, i've never been over there i, I need to get over there it's a bucket list to go play some a bunch of golf, you know, England, Scotland, Ireland, that whole area. That's why I love the Bannon Dune so much. It's it's this style of golf course. I love the natural aesthetics. I love firm and fast. I love runoff areas and having to think with the wind and the firmness. The the American golf to me is a little boring of just like, okay, I have 150 yards, try to hit it 150 yards because this ball is going to hit and spin and stop and there's little wind like that. I don't know. Yeah. It introduces a different variable to what we're used to watching on yeah. uh, the PJ tour week in and week out. I think that that also proves opportunity for the PGA tour to start differentiating some of their venues. You know, I agree. you have some incredible venues out there that just don't get played. And I understand there's a lot of logistics that go in, into that situation in terms of, can you even host a tournament? Where do cars park? Where do, you know, hospitality, like I I understand all of that, but in this day and age, you can't tell me there aren't enough golf courses out there that we can put the funding behind to host a tournament and to create that sort of atmosphere. Um, There is some incredible golf out there. There is some different venues that may not have the history, but you know where all that history started with the first event at one point. You got to start somewhere. Got to start somewhere. Let's start finding some different venues. Let's start mixing up the yardages. Let's start mixing up some of these venues and provide a little bit more um, variation to what we see week in and week out on the PGA Tour. I mean, it, it's out there. There's no reason that Kiowa shouldn't host a PGA Tour event year in and year out. The venue is incredible. It's tough to get in and out, but at the end of the day, they've proven the ability to host a major championship there. They've proven the ability to host a Ryder Cup there. We know that we could figure this out one way or the other. You know, there's been, and and I'm not just using Q. I think there's a lot of other venues out there that do so. I understand money comes into play with, you know, a place like, for example, Kiowa that fills the T-sheet up day in and day out for 500 bucks a a rip. 
but still there's a way we can get this done. And I think the PGA tour has become complacent with satisfying a number of cities and a number of people that are used to having this influx in, in revenue to host an event. But is that what's best for the game long-term? So I don't know who said this. I saw this on Twitter last week and I thought it was a great idea. If this whole conglomeration happens, the PIF PGA tour, DP world tour. And I, I apologize to whoever had this idea. It's not my idea, but I agree with this idea. I forget who it was. Why don't you do a one month Euro portion of the schedule? Right. You have the West coast swing. You have the Florida swing. Let's have the European swing and let's have an event in Scotland and England and Spain and Ireland or Italy or wherever over there. And let's see some different golf courses. Let's see these guys. Let's take the top 50 players in the world. JT is one of the top 10. He'll be there and put them around the world. And, and, and you can maybe somewhat grow the game that way. These, these countries never get to see these guys because they all just play in America. Let's throw a, let's throw an event in Australia. Let's, let's make it a little bit more of a world tour so we can see some different golf being played and have think, these guys play different styles of golf. I think that's an incredible point, Mike. And I gotta be, I gotta be very honest in this aspect because there's a lot of incredible venues that the DP world tour plays, right? Yeah. They're, they obviously have the ability to host a major event. There's no reason that we can't incorporate that in our schedule. And, you know, when we talk about this whole merger and Greg Norman's idea of a world tour and all this stuff, and I'm not going on a Greg Norman pedestal here, but I'm just, sure. I'm just looking back at taking away something that I think does actually provide a benefit to the sport. Let's incorporate some of these other countries. Let's bring in some of these events to the major schedule, which is the PGA Tour schedule. It is the number one calendar in golf that exists, right? There's no reason we can't go over there and incorporate some of these countries and some of these venues to provide a little bit more variety to what we see day in and day out in the U.S. on the PGA Tour. And by no means am I trying to trash the U.S. or you know the venues that they currently sure have. yeah absolutely it's just more about growing the the greater aspect of the sport to say all right instead of playing it and I'll leave I will leave every event unnamed but instead of playing it here which we've done for thirty five years and the winning score is thirty under par let's go let's go to Valderrama let's go to Royal Melbourne. You know, let's go to Woburn or Wentworth and let's play some different golf. Let's go to Royal Porthcall in Wales. I mean, think about the amount of events or the amount of golf courses that are in Scotland and Ireland and England that have such a different definition of how the game's played comparatively like what we saw this week at the Scottish Open. And let's let's introduce some variety to the schedule. Not only that, I agree with you 100%, but I, I think we were talking about the financial aspect of it, where we can get this money, where are these sponsors going to come from. Think about just going to South yeah, America, playing, playing a PGA Tour sanctioned event in South America. I mean, people, you know, you, you're talking countries get behind, even not just the one that the tournament's being hosted, but just the the, the continent gets, gets together and says, wow, we're hosting a PGA Tour event. We've never hosted one. 
uh, you'd have people traveling in. You talk, talk about you know TV and people be watching this all over the place down there. And now you have seeing people in from different countries to come to come see this. I mean, I know when I played in, in South America, uh, every country that we went to, it was the national open, and it was. I mean, I was playing in front of crowds of uh, hundreds, a couple hundred, and I know there's PJ Tour events guys play in front of. 10, 15, 20, you know, because it's maybe a, like I said, we've talked about this before, maybe a, a mid-tier or sub-tier market. And it's like, let's get rid of those and not get rid of them, but let's, let's elevate these truly elevated events. And let's, let's, let's diversify this, this market and where this money's coming from. You can't have 50 events, you know, a year in the U S and I know we don't have 50, but between, between Close. corn ferry, between corn ferry and, and PJ Tour, and we, that's we're really we're really diluting this product here. Let's spread it out. Let's go to to, to Europe. Let's go to South America. Let's go to you know. Let's go to Africa. Let's see if we well, can think you know, about, South Africa play down there. Think about Japan and Korea. What the golf markets are like over there as well. Oh yeah. Let's introduce some very different venues. Let's introduce something really cool. I mean, and I'm hesitant to say this, but at the end of the day. Oh, I was told I have to stop saying end of the day. <laughs> Did you my find some alternatives to my, at the end of the day? My mother-in-law sent me like a, a text message. She was like, here's some, here's some uh, alternatives to end of the day. And I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> um, love you if you're out there listening. Big fan. Yeah. Big, we all, uh, we all love advice from our mothers-in-law. But the, the, when you look at the global impact, it's nice that we're able to do things in certain small markets. It really is. And I'm sure it is a massive help. And I'm not trying to necessarily take that away, but I'm more so looking at what is the greater influence to the worldwide game of golf that we all love so much. What difference and Jake, uh, Jay, you brought up a great point. What is the impact we could have in a country like South America or not South America, South Africa? <laughs> yeah. Because the continent last time I checked, um, <laughs> uh south africa you know i mean we can bring in a ton of revenue there and help to grow the game in an area that is is not necessarily the most affluent um there's a bunch of opportunities in the asia markets asia pacific areas that we could play some really unique golf courses that also brings in a a unique crowd that loves the sport I mean, yeah. I just think on, on a global aspect, you know, and obviously I'm an American, red, white, and blue, bleed it, not trying to take anything away from that. And I don't want anyone to think that I'm trying to take something away from our incredible country that we're all uh, blessed to live in. But at the same time, when we look at how do we grow this thing globally, how do we <laughs> grow our brand of golf? How do we grow our sport in a whole where can we go provide influence to certain areas that could really stand to benefit from it and also I, provide I would, a unique venue? Yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. I would say not even grow it. I would say, save it. You know, how do we make sure we can keep this, you know, this thing together? You know, if we've got somebody who's going to bully their way into the, into the market with just an enormous amount of money. And like you said, Mike, we don't. We, our goal is to have the best players pull together on the the grandest stage. And if somebody comes in and wants to kind of disrupt that at an extreme level, uh, but doesn't necessarily have the same, they don't have the same uh, maybe goals or or uh, 
in in uh in view of what this could be and it's just like i said if it's just a if it's just a money ploy or, or a, a disruption tool, that's not what we want. I mean, for the long haul, I mean, maybe originally that's what, what needed to happen. But we, in the end of the day, we want to watch the best players play at the coolest, the coolest venues the, on the on the biggest stage. And what bigger stage is there than playing uh, in a on a world stage? You know, not just the best courses in the U.S. You know, and I, I love yeah. the U.S. because it's easy for us to watch it. We can all sit down and watch from three to six every afternoon. Blah blah blah. It's great. But like you said, Mike, if we can find a way to switch that up, maybe three events out of the year we play in Europe, and that'd be great. I mean, we've got we just had the Scottish Open. Now we're going to have the Open Championship. Maybe we don't have to have them back to back, but have three here. Have three in you know South America. Have three in you know in the Far East, like you said, in Japan. Yeah, I mean, we, I know we've done this a little bit in the past, but to really have a truly elevated event mm-hmm. where all the best players are playing, we haven't really seen that. And I think if if it's something that they're looking into, I think it would be a huge, huge bonus from a monetary standpoint and um, from a you know uh, from potential viewers you know how many how many people can we get involved with this people in the u.s are probably going to watch anyway because we're, we're attached to it and now you're going to bring in a whole nother uh market of, of viewership uh, that didn't normally don't get a chance to watch it because they're sleeping during the during the tournament um so i don't know it's it could be a great yeah. thing if we decide to go that route well and look at what f1 does you know f1 has probably the least amount of events in the u.s versus the rest of the world of any other major organization only maybe second to tennis well, they just started coming here exactly and tennis does a very similar thing where they play all over the world worldwide worldwide brands i'm not saying we need to start to take that much away from the u.s market it's obviously the absolutely 900 pound gorilla in the room when it comes to the golf industry and i want to keep it that way like the, don't get me wrong but I do think at the end of the day, we have an opportunity in front of us to grow the game globally. And if we incorporate that into what we're doing, I think it makes for a more healthy global industry, which we yep. all benefit from. Or even if you had just like a small four event, you know, because you start adding them all up, like guys, you know, going to play in four majors and they're going to play in 16 other events. And that's going to be about it. Right. So you don't want to start making them go all over the place. But if you you just had like a four event international series every year and the course is rotated, you're in Ireland one time, then you're in, then you're in South Africa, then you're in Australia, then you're in Korea. And it just kind of rotates around every year, but there's like a four event international series and it could be spread out throughout the year or you, I don't want to think you would probably do it all at once, but I just think if we can, introduce some other golf courses some other venues some other styles of playing this game um a lot of our pj tour courses look very similar you know yeah. if you didn't know what week you you were turning on you'd have a hard time picking out the golf course no, and I, I agree with that i think there's a lot of opportunity out there i i don't i i'm with you guys i think it's three or four events on a rotational schedule yeah. um it may not even be a rotational schedule it's just more of finding unique opportunities to provide a little bit of variability into the PGA tour schedule. Um, I would almost make those events designated events to mm-hmm. help to, you know, make sure that we are garnering the conglomerate guys. players out there. Um, I'm going to get, I'm my mother-in-law is going to ask me you know, to stop saying conglomerate at the end of this week, at the end of this <laughs> podcast. Um, but at the end of the day, here we go. Shit. 
right back at it. Um, when the dust settles, when the dust goes, you, know, you have not said that one before. That's new. That's new. It's validified the crumbles, the as the settles, dust settles. <laughs> um, that we do have this incredible opportunity to continue to grow the game on a global basis. And I think that's important as much as I bleed red, white, and blue. And I'm an American every single day of the week. I think there is some really unique opportunity to get out there and do something different, provide some variability on the schedule, provide some different venues, help to influence some other areas of the world where we can really get out there and do some good and help to bring in some money that, you know, benefits certain markets throughout the, throughout the, uh, throughout the world. It it could really pose um, a, a really unique um, unique schedule if we were able to do so. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's get back to the open. I think it's a worthwhile conversation and, and I don't trust that any of them will do the right thing when we just Which talk open? about Which open? the open championship. <laughs> oh, sorry. 151st sorry. open championship at Royal Liverpool. Many will call it Hoy Lake uh, for short this week. Uh, like we said, hosted 2014. We're a McElroy one, 2006. Tiger one. Yeah, it's, it's pretty stark looking at some of the replays and the highlights of those. When Tiger won, like you said, Jay, hit one driver, kept in a play, but it was also dry. it very was dry as firm and fast. brown as brown gets, just clouds of, of dust and smoke and dirt coming up. No, no green at all. The ball was rolling 100 yards on the fairways. Uh, and then you looked at when Rory played, and it was pretty green and lush. And different, maybe why Rory won there. He, he's a little bit more of that American style, high ball flight, throw at the flag kind of player. Although that's kind of changed over the years. I think he's he's evolved a little bit. But back when, you know, in the early um, early teens when he was winning, that was kind of his his style. This week, it it does look like it's it's going to be on the softer side. Yeah. Um, it favors Rory. I was, you know, I have uh, live from on the screen here, and it, and it seems pretty green when they're showing guys out there. And then they're talking about chances of rain every day for the tournament. Nothing like heavy, massive wind and gusts, but you know, ten to fifteen mile an hour winds, showers. So it's definitely going to be a very British, British open. And um, yeah, I wish it would be a little bit more firm and fast. So we get that typical kind of links golf uh, over there, but. Uh, they've done a, a bunch of work to the golf course. They've changed a couple of holes. They've rerouted the golf course a whole bunch. I was trying to follow along um, with an interview with the architect that had done some of the um, the changes there. But like the 17th hole, brand new par three, and they they changed the routing. So now 15 is going to go from a par three to a par five. 16 is par four. 17 is a brand new par three, about 140 yards, just like diabolical little thing. I love that. There's not there's not enough short par threes in the game of golf these days. I, I'm so tired of going to golf courses with four 205 yard par threes. Yeah, it's great, and it, and I think that the you know the 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 Brits do it well. They always seem a lot of these uh, rota courses over there have a good little you know the postage stamp right. There's a bunch of good little short par threes, and so and then 18 is like a 600 plus yard. Par five that into the wind is going to be like impossible for these guys to get to. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching the golf course. It's going to be fun. Uh, I want your, we're going to talk about some players here in a second, but 
since we're talking on the golf course, your thoughts on internal out of bounds. There is internal outer bounds right off the right edge of the fairway on 18. And there's a good 20 yards of rough to the right of it. And they've had it there forever. It was, they were showing a clip of uh, Tiger playing the hole and there was internal out of bounds there back in 06. So it's not like it's a new thing they just decided to put there this year. What are your thoughts on internal OB? I know there's a lot of debates on this. I think internal out of bounds, if it's there to for the safety of the players, then I think you do it. I, I know I've heard both sides of this. Oh, if you're, if you're within the confines of the, of the property, it should be fine. You shouldn't have that. And, but I'm telling you what, I've played golf courses where there's, you know, parkland style fairways running back and forth. I've been hit by a golf ball when I was a kid and I almost died. It hit me right here in the chest and it hit it. I mean, it was a driver. Oh, shit. 40 yards, 40 yards away. If it had been a couple, couple a foot up, I, I'd, I'd be dead. And I had a guy, uh, the tournament that I play in, in, in Pittsburgh, um, Actually, the one that Eric Cole just won, that Frank Fuhrer Invitational, wasn't Eric Cole. It was another guy, David Bradshaw. It's like a 13-time West Virginia State Open champion. Good player, but he took it left on this one hole because he wanted to get a better angle into this par five, and it literally threw six inches right over the top of my head as I'm walking up the fairway. I mean, it could have just hit me right in the face. So, I don't know. I'm I'm pretty adamant about having it if it's the safety of the players. If you're just – having it to have it because you want to make the hole harder. That seems a little silly, but if it's for the safety of the players and, so, and one for logistics and, you know, making sure we're not guys aren't waiting on every hole because the guy's playing down the wrong fairway. I mean, I'm okay with it. I think it, I mean, it, if you're if used think, the right way, if it's used the right way, then yeah, I think it's, it's there to keep, keep guys moving along, make sure there's no, nobody gets hit, no accidents, then it's fine. But Again, if it's just there, just because you're trying to squeeze a hole in and make it a little tighter, then that's that's a little silly. But um, yeah, I, I think I'm kind of with you. I think it, it every case is different. Yeah, and so I'm not sure I love this one. On yeah, so 18 though, what, what is there's no. It's not for safety. There's 20 yards of rough even before the gallery line almost. Yeah, so that that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, that was a little weird. We had a a, yeah a buddy of ours on a text thread sent a picture of that, and I was like, man, doesn't make any sense. Why? It was hard enough, you know. Why? Why do you need to put a bounce? Yeah, it just seems a little arbitrary, like where they put it. Um, So. Again, I, I I'm okay with it in the right spots. I'm just not sure right of 18 when there's 20 yards right of it, nothing there. Why not just move it that way? You know what I mean? It seems yeah, it seems really silly in my opinion. That one seems like a um, a waste of paint in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see. I, I I'm sure players will have comments. I know most of the the press conferences are tomorrow and. Uh, Wednesday with us recording here on a Monday night. And so I'm sure they'll get asked about it. And then I guarantee someone's going to hit it out of bounds and then spout off in a press conference after the round this week. Cause that's, John a, that's what these guys do. Say John Rom, you beat me to it. You John beat me to it. I was going to say John Rom. The wind's going to get it. It's going to get out of bounds and he's going to throw a tantrum in the, in the, in the after uh, after round press conference, 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to like that guy so much more. I really do. <laughs> like, I, and I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I don't know him, but man, I just, I like watching him play is like when he's just physically playing the game, it's like, man, I, I like this guy. And then he talks. <laughs> it's like, ah, man, that's tough. You know, as a lot of people say the same thing about Rory, you know, it's just, I guess it depends on, um, yeah, I mean, what what you you think of as entertaining, or what side you're on with it? You know, some people love John Rom and how he just says what he thinks, and and the same token you've got, uh, like we've talked about before, you've got a Sergio is kind of the same way. But to some people, Sergio sounds like a whiny a whiny little brat, and to and really, there's not much difference between him and John Rom. They both sound the same, but others are. Oh, John Rom is just tough. He just says things like he, like he, like he, like he thinks, and like they're really the, they do the same thing. It's just, I guess, one yeah. person's voice definitely is that more higher pitch. <laughs> a little, a little bit of that. You know, it's not what you say; it's how you say it, kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. So, but yeah, I can. You know, hey, I mean, hell, in all honesty, all these tour guys. Are fucking whiny little bitches. Let's be honest. And and I think this goes back to this. This has nothing to do with with the Open Championship. This goes back to the whole what's wrong with the PGA Tour. It's these guys too. It's these guys are just as fault as the PGA Tour. They kind of let this happen. They don't care about the growth of the game. They care about themselves. Golfers are selfish. They just care about themselves. They weren't looking at the whole big picture. And so, and then they got greedy and these guys want more money than they're actually worth. These guys want to make the same amount of money as Patrick Mahomes. They want to make $50 million a year and all. It's like, well, you're not worth it, guys. Like golf's a niche sport. You're not worth it. Shut up and play and actually care about it. You know, well, like, you take, some you order, take some ownership in this game. You don't have anybody wearing your jersey. I mean, unless, yeah. other, other than Tiger. Um, yeah, other you know. than Tiger, like these other guys, it's like, you're not as famous or like, just shut up. Like I, I saw in this, I saw was we were in the airport today, Dallas, Fort Worth, and um, and David Thomas was standing next to me, and I was like, hey, Aaron, I was talking to my wife. I was like, Aaron, there's David Thomas. She's like, who? I was like, David Thomas. She's like, ah, I'm guessing he's a golfer. And she looks <laughs> at him. Was like, she's like, he, he doesn't look like an athlete. And I'm like, he's 55 years old. So yeah, yeah but <laughs> but there's a perfect example, like in the right setting. Oh, I want your autograph. I want your autograph. And he's standing, you know, DFW and nobody, he just looks like another middle aged or older than middle aged dude. Like, it, no big deal. Did you talk to him? Nah, I didn't, I didn't bug him. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I, I don't know. I, I get weird about that. Like, I'm just, cause I'm on the other end of it. And I'm like, if I were standing here, would I want somebody to come up to me at my point in my career? I'd be like, yeah, I mean, you want an autograph? Give you an autograph, but nobody's asking. But for him, I'm like, People, you know, when he's playing golf, people like bug him all the time. So I'm like, it's probably a safe haven when he's like, I can just walk through the airport. No one's going to mess with me. I just yeah. don't want to stop. I just want to get to where I'm going. So I don't know. I never. I'm one of those guys too. I never like. I try to be the complete opposite of a like of a fanboy, or I never ask yeah. for autographs. I like don't bug people. I'm like, I just don't want to be that guy. They get bugged all the time, nonstop. Like, I just don't want to be that guy. I'm let this person live his life. Yeah, like like I do. Like you know, like. Exactly. Exactly. And then the same trip, I was standing in uh, the uh, uh, standing in line at the airport, and I was standing next to Steve Smith, the Carolina Panther, the you wide know, receiver, fifteen-year wide receiver, and uh, and I actually seen him. That's the second time I saw him at the airport in the last six months. It's really weird. Wow, but weird. I'm sitting there, I'm talking to my wife again. I'm like, "Hey, there's Steve Smith." She's like, "Who's that?" 
season. <laughs> 15, he's probably going to be in the Hall of Fame. He's a 15-year wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers and the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, the same thing. She's like, did you talk to him? I'm like, what? he's with his family. Like, the last thing yeah. he wants to do when we're standing in, in line um, is for somebody like, hey, Steve Smith, how are you? And then everyone turns and looks, and they're like, oh, now they blow his spot up. He's like, nobody really knows who I am. He has hat on, he has glasses on. He's like... Basically, don't f with me right now. Yeah. Just get through, get through this line and be out of here. So, no, I didn't. I didn't mess with them. But. I, had a, I had a similar thing happen to me in Nashville, uh, going through the airport a couple of weeks ago, and in the regular security line, and I didn't even notice it. He was right behind me, and as I'm going to get my bags off of the the little, you know, whatever you want to call it, there, um, I turn around. It's Gary Leebox, the lead singer in Rascal Flats. And oh wow! That's cool. I turn around. I was like, oh what's up man and he was just like what's up and shook my hand and everything like he was he was as cool as he could be about it and i just want to be like dude you know like you're a, it's that blonde hair everything like you're a very recognizable this is nashville yeah <laughs> be like you know you're about to get mobbed right yeah he, he was cool i'm like hey nice to see you we have a mutual friend that i know he plays golf with so i was like hey you know i'm introduced myself so like let me know if you can if i can ever do anything for you i know you're at a golf club in tennessee and he was like, man, I hope to see you out there. He, he couldn't have been cooler about it. But on the backside, of the, I'm like, dude, you need to get to the Sky Lounge quickly. Because <laughs> the selfies are getting ready to come out of the woodwork here. And as I said that, one of the TSA agents comes over and is like, weren't you in Rascal Flats? And I was like, here we go. I'm like, Gary, take care, man. Be good. Nice, nice to see you. There you go. So let's get back. I want I want your take on someone, and maybe some of these names will come up in our our predictions. But I want to kind of go through some of these odds. Um, Roy McIlroy plus five twenty five, Scotty Scheffler plus seven fifty. Rory has jumped Scotty as the favorite. Placing a bet. Who's your Who's your favorite? Oh, yeah, they're both. I mean. I mean, Scotty Scheffler, if he finishes in the top 12 this week, it'll be like, what do they say? Every, every event he's played, every event he's played this year is in the top, he'll finish in the top 12, which is something that's nobody's ever done or something like that's a crazy run. Yeah. I I know he's, he's tied or he's one back of tying tiger for the most top 15. Um, I don't know about top 12, but top 15, he's one back of tiger. For the longest stretch in PJ Tour history, I mean, he hasn't finished out of the top twelve since the CJ Cup of last year, October, which I guess essentially is was this season. this season. Um, that's his only finish. That's his only finish this year outside of the top of uh, top twelve. <laughs> I mean, just absolutely incredible. <laughs> what makes it even funnier though? We keep talking top twelve. He's finished in the top. He's finished in the top five. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven times in a row, straight. Top five. It, it's so, I mean, it's, again, I think the the putter really still kind of holds him back from like running away with the tournament. But it's hard not to bet on the guy. I mean, if if he just gets hot one week, he's going to win by five. Even with Rory playing. You know, great golf. He's just so right now. He's just swinging. He's swinging so well. I mean, Rory's obviously swinging really well as well. But um, yeah, I, they those two ought to have to be you know the favorites. I, and I, I don't I don't blame them for, for jumping Rory ahead of 
of Scotty coming off a win like that. But um, yeah, I think part of that is right. They were trying to get the action 50 50. Yeah. You know, they're trying to spread, spread the act. And they know the public's going to be heavier in Rory's favor than, than Scotty. What do you guys make of? We just mentioned him, John Rom. You know, he was on a heater early. You know, for John Rom, standard has, has quieted here. We haven't heard much of him. You know, he missed the cut at Travelers. I mean, I guess he had a top 10 at the, at the U.S. Open. That was kind of a backdoor top 10. Um, I don't know. I'm going to throw a dark horse out there at you. And I just put 10 bucks on him because he's plus 3,500. Shane Lowry. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he always plays well in the Open Championship. The only thing that I, I don't love about Shane in this specific Open is it plays relatively easy, and I think it's going to play easy again because it's so soft. And I think he doesn't have the firepower that that some of these other guys have. But it is the Open Championship, and he does love that venue. He always plays well. So, he you know, always saying, shows up in major championships. He always he shows does. up he, in major championships. He does, and and then that the only reason I say maybe not not a winner to me is just because I feel like he just doesn't have the firepower that some of these other guys have, and um, that's this, that's just my take on it. But it, again, it sounds like this event's going to be ball striking. You know, the golf course is is a little narrower than most opens. There's a ton of bunkers, and they are diabolical. Everyone's basically saying if you hit it in these bunkers, it's a sixty degree wedge out to the side. And, you know, so it's who can ball strike their way around this golf course. I got yeah. a couple guys that we just talked about, <laughs> Rory and Scotty. You know, it would be much more interesting and challenging for some of these guys if it was firm and fast. And you then had to judge the rollout of your drives and the lines and the angles. Uh, I hope there's a bunker out here, but if I hit on this line, I can get by. If I hit on this line, it's going in. You know, is this ball going to roll 30 yards or 60 yards? What about I wish Rory, it was that. Rory and Brooks Kepka to finish top five or plus twelve hundred right now? I don't know if I love Brooks on this style. Rory and Scotty sure, are not five fifty for the same for the same reason that I said about Shane Lowry. Brooks loves these really difficult golf courses because he feels like he's even said it. He's like, I know that I just have to hang on and make pars, and these guys are just going to kind of wilt you know, under the pressure, it's a different kind of pressure. And I think you have to be playing good golf and you have to bring your early game and you got to, you know, you got to score, you got to make birdies and I'm not saying that he can make birdies, but typically he does not like on the PJ tour when it's 15 to 20 under par, he doesn't win. Obviously we know that he's only won what, not even a half a dozen tournaments on the PJ tour outside of major. It's like, it's like four events, not major four events. Two of them, two of them were the, did he win the waste management twice or once? Uh, might be twice. So, um, yeah, I, 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 that's the that that's be, that would be my only qualm with him. Um, I, again, I'm not saying that he won't play well because it's a major and he does play well in majors. Uh, I just think that the the scoring average will 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 pull him back a little bit. But again, that's just that's my take. Sure. On it. Yeah. What do I know? Yeah. But watch him finish one, two, Lowry and Brooks Kepka. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, McLean. I like that. Bat. Can I get Lowry? And- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, who am I? I mean, he's been beating our, beating our breaks in uh, this year on, on the DraftKings. Shambo and Mickelson to finish top five are plus 60,000. 
Holy cow. I actually I actually don't don't mind DeChambeau. I have a feeling that he he may play well. I don't know about Nicholson, but yeah, Nicholson is such a weird, weird enigma. Like he can look like the worst player ever. And then the next week he can he can like he'll finish second in the masters. <laughs> I just took, I just took that bet for five dollars to win three grand. I just placed that bet. <laughs> That's crazy. That'd be a fun thing to root for. Right. All right. Well, so let's let's get into our picks then. We'll have some more yeah. pronostication here. Um all right. So we've been off for a few weeks. The last time uh we had a press and we doubled the bets. That's right. And I won and beat you by a half point, Jay. That was great. That was, that was really awesome. Great. I I enjoyed it. I remember back when we had like a real prize to this, and then all of a sudden I got to a big yeah. league, and you guys were like, "We no one signed off on that." <laughs> I'll, no I'll pay up. That. I'll pay up if I lose. It's fifty bucks. I'll pay up. That's what we said at the beginning of the year. It's, it's recorded, so we have yeah. evidence of it. Let's go back. Let's go back. I want to hear. I want to hear what that was. <laughs> <laughs> so now the season long point total is uh, one eighteen to one hundred four. Me, and then Jay's at one hundred. Bucks. So. And we're, so we're doubling the points each week as well. We're so the yeah, 10 points for first, six for second, two for third. Did I finish last last week? So last week we never had one. Oh, we didn't do one. Well, I set one up. McLean never made a team. You couldn't get your team in because you're in another country. And so then my team vanished uh <laughs> because there was no it got deleted because there was no I one else was, in the contest. I think I would have won. I think I would have won actually. Seriously, I don't think you were going to touch me last week. I had I had Bobby I had Bobby Mack on my team. And no, no, not not Rory. Um, and uh, Fleetwood and Ricky. So I had some decent guys up there. So I'm not sure you were touching me. I don't remember who your team was, but so you're all lucky that it was it was null and void last week. Thank you for sparing us. <laughs> you guys can Venmo me $9 if you want. Brush out. <laughs> so, all right, McLean, you're in the lead. Season-long race. You can use right. your, this time, the floor is yours. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. So I took a little bit different venue um, this week than I normally do. Uh, I did not pick any of the top guys. Okay. I know it's a major. It may be an unpopular take, but I I really went with a squad that I feel like is going to get dialed in in this sort of format. Um, not one American on my squad, um, which uh, after the take early, I want everyone to know I, I'm I'm an American. I, I believe I, Red. I, mean, <laughs> I don't think I've heard you say that yet. Yeah, yeah I know. I you're know. very I, worried that people are going to think you're un-American. Which I'm like the least un-American you could possibly ever find, but regardless, let's go in. All right, top of the board, Tommy Fleetwood, ninety-three hundred dollars. Um, guy plays a incredible ball flight, stripes it low, knows how to flight his ball. Um, someone who I think will play well in this sort of format. He he's grown up over there. He knows what it takes to get it done. Um, no surprise, Shane Lowry, ninety-one hundred dollars. Um, Again, we've already talked about why I, I favor him this week. 
then I run down to Hideki Matsuyama, quietly contends in damn near every major. He just he he's just always there. If he didn't have the language barrier, I'm telling you, he would be a bigger part of the conversation for everyone's um, factor. And when it comes to golf and every tournament that he plays in, just a guy who who, who gets it done. Down from there, Justin Rose, a guy who made his name at the British Open many years ago. And then Joaquin Neiman, the ball flight specialist, <laughs> can flight it in any sort of win, never concerned about it, live golf. Um, but a, a guy who, again, I, I think just will go out there, keep it low, flight it well, ball striker uh, to, to every aspect of the game. And then I got to be honest with you, the value pick of all ba- value picks, Bob McIntyre, $6,800. How do you not pick him at that value point coming off of what he just came off of and the the opportunity to propel his career to the next level? I think the guy is going to be firing on all cylinders. And I think ultimately at 6800 it's the value pick of all value picks. All right. I like it. Um, okay, here's my squad. I'm going to start at the bottom. $6,800, Bob McIntyre. Imagine that. Uh, just like you said, he's playing great. I had him on my squad last week that never existed. And I'm going to pick him again because that's an awesome value for a guy who's playing his ass off and has a lot of confidence. Then I'm going to go 7300 Brian Harmon, just a bulldog scrapper. Add him. You know, windy, rainy. I don't think he's going to care about that. You know, some guys get flustered with that and they they get... You know, they're out mentally before they even get on the golf course. Then we go 7,400. Ryan Fox was also on my imaginary team last week. Had a nice finish, top 20. We'll go with him again. Then these next two kind of fall into the same category. The the Open Championship, if you look back in the history, at least the last 20 years, the, the age of the winner has skewed older. A little on the older side. So some wily veterans occasionally kind of spring out of nowhere and win one both these guys have major championships uh adam scott justin rose seventy nine hundred dollars and eight thousand and then your winner this week twelve thousand five hundred scotty scheffler wow i never take him i never spend that much money on him he's due he's gonna win he's had all these high finishes like we've talked about he's ball striked his ass off he's gonna make a few putts this week I never picked the guy. He's going to win 12,500. Scotty Scheffler is your winner of the 151st. He's your champion golfer of the year. I like it. I like it. You know what sucks about being in Tennessee is that now I have the uh, ability to use DraftKings Sportsbook. So <laughs> if this doesn't, if my team doesn't pay this week, I might actually have to make another deposit. You, know, you guys have kept me in the red all year, but I might have to make another deposit. Oh, another well, a quick stat. I was, if Scotty wins, it would break this um, trend. McLean and I were talking this pre-show. The last thirteen winners of the Open have not been in the top twenty-five the previous year. Fin- top twenty-five. They're finishing the previous event. No, the previous year, the previous British Open. Yeah, the, I'm saying the previous event at the Open, the previous British Open. Yep, Gosh, like we're not in the top twenty-five, and, and then would finish be, in the top twenty-five. Yeah, last he year. was twenty-first uh, last year, so that would break that trend. But the last thirteen guys had a you know 
less than great open the year before. So, all right, Jay Bird, your floor. Um, I've gone back and forth on um, a lot of this because um, I, you guys have a lot of the picks that I would I want to use, and I've, I've been kind of toying around with some of the guys down at the bottom. Um, but I'll start from the bottom, and right now this could change. But I am going to go with a guy who has played um, some some successful golf in the past. Uh, he's a Masters champion, and he's very low priced right now. He's a live guy, uh, Mr. Charles Swartzel. Wow. He, in all honesty, uh, he just kind of fit the price point. And there's a couple other guys that I may swap him out for. So nope, it's final. Yeah, this is final. <laughs> this is final. Can't change him. Uh, I can tell you one thing. I won't be changing the next uh, the next five golfers. Then I move up to 7,700, Mr. Min Woo Lee. Uh, he's been playing some good golf. Um, in yes. my opinion. He was 35th last week, and, and he's getting a lot of hype um, here recently. Uh, and I think uh, he's going to be a good, a good, a good fit. Uh, same thing with be, What's that? have the highest ball speed for a sub-30 waist size. I mean, it's crazy how he moves the ball like that. Um, but he's got some firepower, which I think you need here, and and it, it's going to play a little softer. And I think it's going to it's going to play, uh, you know, to his benefit. And then you mentioned it, Mike. You think the that this place is it is a tighter golf course, but I think it's going to really um, present itself as a as a great place for these ball strikers to really uh, shine. And Corey Connors, as we know, is one of those players. Great, great tee to green. Uh, he's at 7,700. And then I moved down the list. All these guys, in my opinion, uh, are great ball strikers. Uh, I think Dustin Johnson is a sneaky pick this week. I think he, I think he plays really well on, on this golf course. Um, he's he's played well. I know on the live events, finished tenth at the U.S. Open, um, put fifth and eighth in the last two live events. Which you know we don't really know how we want to rank those, so to speak, but. He's been shooting some good numbers, uh, 65, 67 to finish out the last two rounds last week on the live live event. But I think this is a type of event that he plays well. It's a narrow golf course, but he hits his little cut, doesn't try to hit a draw. And I think he um, he can make a ton of birdies when he needs to. Um, and then I move up to Tommy Fleetwood playing good golf. I know you, I think you had a McLean. Did you both have him? Mikey, you didn't. McLean hasn't. I mean, he's been playing good golf, and it would not surprise me if this is his opportunity here to finally get uh, to get a win. Um, And I know he's comfortable with with these type of golf courses as well um, at ninety three hundred. And then, last but not least, I do think that this this player gets his first major, uh, Mr. Victor Hovland, at ten thousand dollars. I think he matches this course up nicely and he is your winner i don't know what his odds are but i think he gets it done for a top tip top 15 player i see it he is definitely if you go back and rank between him and justin thomas since he's been on tour i think i think he's ahead of him and if you really want to add all those stats up go back to the first couple years that jt was on tour look Look at those strokes game stats and see how good they are when we, when this is over, I want to talk JT. I want to talk Babe Ruth. I want to talk <laughs> rollback. Let's, let's, go. let's go. Let's go. Uh, you guys can. I'm, go, I'm, I'm going to bed. I'll let you guys hash those out. 
Hey, it's only 10, 10 here on central time. I'm loving it. I got plenty of gas left. <laughs> All right, cool. I like it. Good picks. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I uh, just can't wait. Looking forward to Thursday morning, last major of the year. So good week. Uh, it's a good week. To all of our listeners, again, sorry for the uh, little summer break we had. But we're back, and we'll be back next week to break down the uh, 151st Open Championship. And we will bring back the what are you drinking phase. Oh, yeah, yep. we skipped that today. I was so excited to be back talking to you guys. I, I don't believe that at all. <laughs> all righty, gents. Cheers. Later. Later.